Welcome to the HR Tectonics Podcast. In each episode, we spend time with someone trying to use technology to improve the way we attract, engage, manage, and retain talent. Some of their efforts will succeed in shaking up the world of HR. Some will fail and be forgotten. But our belief is we can learn from each of them, and we hope you do too. For the past 20 years, we've been waging a war for talent, or at least that's what three consultants from McKinsey called it in a book they published in the late 90s. It was a call to arms, emphasizing the competitive landscape for recruiting and retaining talented employees and the criticality of doing so. Fast forward to the present, and the question we are asking ourselves is, who's winning that war? Today, companies spend over $200 billion globally to recruit yet they continually feel frustrated about their ability to get the best talent and keep them. And even the brightest, shiniest technology companies are plagued by an inability to diversify their workforces. Today, candidates face a terrific labor market with low unemployment, yet so many of them are frustrated by their prospects, feeling stuck in jobs and at companies. And everyone hates the recruiting process, with companies blasting job postings everywhere, candidates spending hours translating dry descriptions into something they can get excited about, and an incredibly transactional and dehumanizing experience both ways. It feels less like a war for talent and more like a war on talent. The question we need to be asking ourselves, is there a better way to do it? Rich Chaffee thinks the answer is yes. He's the CEO of a startup called Stella, which he believes can make a big dent in this problem by building a network between companies' recruiting pools and using AI to help individual companies and candidates take advantage of it. Here's Rich explaining the problem and what Stella is doing to tackle it. So the problem Stella is trying to solve is that a very small percentage of qualified candidates who should have applied for jobs actually apply. So if you take a step back from the way the job market works, it's effectively no different than the way it worked with advertising in newspapers, right? Someone would put an advertisement up and a whole bunch of people would respond. It's indiscriminate, both in terms of their ability to apply and in terms of who sees the ad. And online is really just amplify that. So you basically stick an ad on now LinkedIn, Glassdoor, what have you, but it's a velocity game. It's as many people as they can. And so there's not a lack of funnel to a lot of companies. They get enough volume of candidates. But if you were to think about the top 100 candidates, for example, who should have applied to a data science position at Nielsen in New York, maybe five applied, right? The, the first portal call might have been Netflix or Airbnb. And same thing for marketing. The first portal call might have been um, you know, Unilever, right, or JetBlue, or what have you. And so the question is, how do you take those jobs and put them in front of the candidates who actually are active and qualified and should make a lot of sense. And, and you know, our, our big idea was obviously by, by combining the, the sourcing funnel and the scale of multiple companies through the shared talent network, you could effectively reach more of the qualified candidates at a huge scale, right? So I was a finance person before, and I looked with great interest at how crazy it is that such a small fraction of the candidates who actually apply to jobs get the job, right? So companies will spend quite quite literally tens of millions of dollars um, building a brand and attracting these 500,000 candidates and ultimately they hire you know 2,000 and these 498,000 people 
you know, it's somewhere between a black hole and nothing, right? And, and if you were to produce a movie and spend $100 million and leave, you know, 69 of the 70 minutes on the cutting room floor, like, you'd be fired very quickly. And it's so a huge amount of waste. It's a crazy amount of waste. And so the question is, there's got to be some way to use that better. There must be some way that if you got an interview at Citibank, surely that candidate deserves to be fast-tracked to another company. Like, why is that not being reused and vice versa? And so there was a real, I saw an, op, an arbitrage opportunity where companies together wouldn't band together because no one would trust anyone else. But we could effectively create a consortium where, you know, our company, Stella, could sit in the middle of that and effectively reroute these candidates that were strong to better opportunities that made sense in the network um, and use AI and people in the middle to make sure they're actually curated. We've all had that feeling, whether it's as a candidate or someone doing the hiring. You go through this process of inquiry, exploration, getting excited, and then it either pays off and you hit the jackpot, a great hire, or a great new job, or more frequently, it doesn't. And all those hours spent and energy and emotion expended went out the window. Stella's trying to help everyone get some return on that investment by using it as the foundation for building a network that will pay off in better job opportunities and better candidates. Here's more from Rich on how Stella works. So the way Stella works is that companies invite all of the candidates they don't hire, all of them. Um, we then screen them with AI, and we only allow the candidates to see jobs if they're qualified. And then if they apply, it's double-checked there's humans in a loop, and so it ensures that by the time the candidate goes into the applicant tracking system of the company, that candidate, the AI thinks it makes sense, the candidate's applied, and if the confidence interval for the AI wasn't high enough, it can be double-checked with the person. So our average applicant-to-interview rates as a company is eight times higher currently than any other funnel, or traditional funnels. So we're getting about 12.5% of our candidates are going from applicant-to-interview at most companies at this point. Um, we're seeing you know, 2 2.5% as a general thing. And, and the reality is... If candidates are not allowed to apply indiscriminately, if there's AI and people in the middle, by definition, it's going to be far more curated, better use of the time. Um, the one thing I'd say, though, is, is that there might be some candidates where we just really can't help them. They might be located in a geography where there's no jobs or they might not have a green, you know, they might not be legal to work in America. So there, there is a category. But for the most part, it's not really that they're silver medalists, so to speak, because there might be candidates who wouldn't even get an interview at right. a certain company. Mm -hmm. Think about the top tech companies in data science, where you know another company in consumer packaged goods might be like, oh my gosh, like I would hire them in two seconds. So it's it's really about you know for the price point you're at and the culture you have and you know the type of company you have, where should those candidates go? And so it's not really that there is like a top five percent or ten percent. It's really for that company. Um, you know, and UPS is hiring hundreds of engineers, right? Clearly, there's many people at Dropbox who might never have gotten an interview who could be perfect there. Anyone who's spent meaningful time solving any matching problem knows that the challenge is usually less in the protocol and more in the inputs. In recruiting, job matching, that challenge is heightened to the nth degree, as LinkedIn is littered with embellished professional credentials and puffed up open positions. Rich thinks Stella has an answer for this age-old issue with data, AI, and people. You know, matching at Stella is, is largely based on skill set and career trajectory. So we are very mindful about ensuring that the AI strips out adverse 
selection bias. So we don't look at things like languages you speak or even the schools you went to. Um, certainly not the fraternity that you might have gone to or the cities you even grew up in. So we strip out all that. We only allow it to see data um, that's there. But one of the things we do is we also build a graph. So when a company joins Stella, we look at all of the existing candidate, all of the existing employees in that company. We'll look at the types of work they do and how they describe what they're doing in their job. And we effectively build a skill and a career trajectory graph for that company behind the scenes. And that allows us to match a candidate against the types of career trajectories and skills that work out. And we also look at negative data. So we'll look at people that were in a company for less than 12 months and take that as a negative signal that something didn't work out about that, those types of skills coming into that. The job descriptions are actually much more problematic than the, than the resume mm -hmm. um, for two reasons. The first is so we use data beyond the resume. So candidates can upload their LinkedIn social graph or the Gmail graph. Um, we have a training step where we'll show the candidate 10 different jobs and they can say yes or no. And so there's data kind of beyond a resume that gives us a more holistic view of the candidate and where they want to, where it would make sense for them. Um, the job description is actually much more problematic. Um, and as a sidebar on the resume, the general theme is, is that people homogeneously inflate their resumes. Sure. So everyone kind of inflates it just a bit, but no one outright, outright lies in America, generally. No it's one. a general thing. <laughs> no, not no one, but you know, like, you know, you probably wouldn't claim you did your MBA at Harvard if you did. Things that can you know. be proven to be false. Yeah. yeah. And so there is like a generalized level of inflation that's quite homogeneous, which is really interesting. Hundred percent. <laughs> exactly right. Um, whereas in the job description, it's, it's actually much more challenging. So the job descriptions in some cases are actually misleading. Some of them are 10 or 15 years old. They're copied and pasted from other companies. Um, you know, so that's, that's really difficult. And so what we actually do is we use the job description itself, of course, is shown to the candidate. But behind the scenes, we build the matching not against the job description. So we actually build archetypes for that type of job at that company. So we morph together all the people that currently work in that company in that job. And we use, Stella is actually not AI, it's actually more deep learning. So we put together a lot of data of that, from that company, from the current employees. We have tens of millions of resumes. So we look historically at other people that work there. And then similar types of companies. So for example, if you're a tier one bank, we're not, and you hiring a product manager, we look at not just that company, how the product managers describe what they're doing their jobs, et cetera, with the job descriptions, but we'd morph together other similar types of companies. And so the system automatically matches against an augmented, kind of an enriched job description. You can almost imagine having skill clouds coming out of the job description. And as you augment more and more people in terms of what they've done and other job descriptions that are similar, you create a much more accurate base case to go against. Then the second thing we do is we have humans in the loop. So Stella, because it's pay for performance, right? So the way it works is you, know, you don't pay ongoing. If you hire someone from Stella, it's two grand, and the company that put them in gets a credit of 500. So it's this massive shared network between all these massive companies. And so the way it works is that we're able to track the candidate down to screen, interview, hire. That data feeds back into the training set automatically and gets better over time. So we solve the resume problem we solve by having more data beyond a resume, less problematic. We add an augment additional data on the um, job description side, so we match against a much more enriched baseline. And then this feedback loop is actually very novel. If you were to look at other platforms, Glassdoor, LinkedIn, et cetera, they have no real way to know like who's been interviewed, who was hired, what happened. So Stella has a very novel, we've created really the first common app, right, where candidate applies and goes through the Nielsen recruiter. That, yeah. That's never really been done before. And we're able to track down the funnel. So it's taken us two and a half years to build out those integrations, but it has a, it has a matching implication which automatically trains the data sets. To really understand any startup, 
It helps to know the roots of the founder or founders, which usually run deeper than the actual foundation of the company. Where are they coming from and why are they doing this? Scroll through Rich's LinkedIn profile and you'll find investment banking at Morgan Stanley, a stint at McKinsey, and a job as co-founder and CEO of Park Assist, a $25 million company which uses tech to help drivers find a parking space without searching. What does all that have to do with helping to fix recruiting? Rich explains. Nearly all of the things that I've done really have been around automation, if I'm honest with you. I mean, I know you were a consultant as well, so I did my I did my time in McKinsey back in the day. And, and you know, a lot of the, the work I did there and ultimately my last company was an automation play, right? Um, we scaled it to about 40 countries and it effectively was a combination of people and, and AI. And it could identify not just where the empty spaces were when you drive around, but it would be able to show you where your car is so you don't have to lose your car in the future, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so a lot of the fingerprints of Stella, you know, are things that I've kind of been doing for most of my career, which is how do you take a manual process, which is currently being done by a person, and how do you stick some type of automation in the middle so they're doing less of the boring stuff and they can focus on the stuff that's more interesting. Um, and I, I don't think whether it was a work at McKinsey or whether it was, you know, find your car and find a space. I mean, it's, it's all, they're just efficiency tools at the end of the day. Uh, HR and recruiting in particular is just a wonderful example of a highly repetitive task where, you know, if you would have removed yourself from the company, the company is, you know, this whole concept of Stella is that the companies themselves are quite literally doing the same thing, 90% overlap. And then when you go inside the company, there's lots of other ways outside of Stella where you can see pockets of just manual labor. And, and the goal really should be to help the recruiters to be advisors where they can be spending their time and their effort closing candidates and like figuring out how best to like move the organization forward rather than the 70% of the time right now, which is going into, gosh, 270 people applied. I, I literally don't know what to do, right? We asked Rich to help quantify the payoff for companies that participate in Stella. For companies with lesser talent brands, there's the promise of breaking into an attractive pool of talent, kind of like the Glengarry leads from Glengarry Glen Ross fame. But for companies with strong talent brands who have over a thousand applicants for every role, what's in it for them? Rich explains. So if Stella is right, and you know, we have 150 big companies participating, we've raised 25 million, like there's a lot of momentum now at yeah. this point. I would say that our fundamental tenet underpinning Stella is that a lot of the sourcing work that's done, which is, is quite is billions of dollars in time, an enormous amount of that sourcing work is completely duplicit between companies, right? So Goldman Sachs' team and Citibank's team and Morgan Stanley's team and Visa's team, like a huge amount of what these teams are doing is the same. They're all high, they're looking for the same software developer for a finance-oriented large enterprise in New York. So by definition, there's just incredible ways. So yeah. what you need to believe is that if there was a way to pull together sourcing power between companies in the same way as we've done in the consumer industry, by the way, Right? We've created network effects in many different shapes and forms. So if you believe that same, the same laws of physics that apply to the consumer industry should apply to companies, then 100 companies that are spending cumulatively $500 million to attract, source, curate these candidates, really they should be spending a few hundred million dollars. There's no reason to believe that you can massively reduce that. Why is everyone advertising for the same job? It doesn't make any sense. Right? Um, and so if people were able to combine their funnels, you know, we're doing it mechanically using the 99% that aren't hired. Um, but if you're able to combine your funnels and have some analytics in the middle, I mean, you could source and curate at scale, period. Right. And um, <clears throat> how much of the 
problem that you're addressing would you characterize as the sourcing challenge versus the screening challenge? Because this, you know, the elements of, um, you know, kind of assessing, yeah. you know, the pool, right, for good fits is, I think, a key part of your value proposition. You're feeding in very high, uh, yeah. high caliber leads. I, so I don't think you can do one or the other. Um, so the premise of Stella is we're going to find more qualified candidates. So by definition, that is broader reach. We're saying if you put 150 big brands together from HBO to Netflix to Nielsen, right? You put 150 companies together, you will have dramatically higher reach to more qualified candidates than you would individually. It's just, I mean, it's just math. And then secondly, we use AI and people in the middle, and you know we have a, a really wonderful team doing this um, to ensure the candidates can only actually see jobs that they're qualified for. Now it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be perfect, but what we do want to do is eliminate the eighty to ninety percent of candidates who really shouldn't have applied in the first place. It doesn't guarantee that the ten or twenty percent that do come through are perfect, but it eliminates a huge amount of noise. Hence the eight times increase in in applicant to interview ratio. Right. So I think we solve a reach problem of scale. And two, we have to qualify them because, you know, many of the companies who work are the top brands and they don't need more random applicants. What they need is more qualified candidates that they wouldn't have seen. I would say it's too early for us to be able to um, to make any claims around the impact on diversity. Uh, and to a large degree, it depends on the baseline of the company. So, for example, Estee Lauder is in the network. You know, Estee Lauder, as you can imagine, has an extremely diverse candidate funnel relative to some of the finance companies mm-hmm. that we work with or some of the tech companies, right? And so it depends a lot on the base case. Um, I would say to you, Stella, Stella's impact and diversity was accidental. We never designed it for that. We designed it to solve a very simple problem, which was, hey, company, you're getting a tiny fraction of the people that you should, and 70% of the day of all these recruiters is wasted effectively. We're going to find and curate more of those people all the, you know, to automate that problem. Um, it turns out that Stella is one, and the diversity side is able to help source qualified candidates from other industries. Mm-hmm. And so, in tech and finance in particular, mm-hmm. um, where they really don't have a rich set, they're all fighting for the same people. So, if Facebook hires Susan, then Google lost. Right. Right. And if Google hires Johnny, then Netflix lost. Right. right. And so, it's a zero sum because everyone's pummeling the same tiny group of diversity talent, mm-hmm. which is inadequate for everyone, by the way. And the dirty secret is, is that there, there is enough diversity talent. There probably is in other industries, right? They apply to, you know, a consumer goods company. They didn't think about you. Or they apply to Lockheed Martin and they're a veteran, right? And so the question is, how do we get those people being like, oh, right? Netflix hires engineers too, not just Lockheed Martin. How do we get those people thinking about that? So it turns out that Stella can help diversity. Um, the impact level depends on the company's baseline, but it can help by sourcing you more diverse talent from other industries, which I think is part of the problem. I don't think it solves the whole problem, but it could be meaningful. Right now, as an example, we're seeing 40% overlap between industries. Early data, but it's fascinating. So, for example, if you were to look at some of our big investment banks, 40% of the candidates that are applying to these positions are coming from early-stage tech companies, pharma companies, consumer packaged goods companies, right? Um, same thing the other way. If you were to look at some of the engineers that are flowing into some of these small tech companies, they were applying originally to investment banks and what have you. And so I think that speaks to the possibility of being able to improve both diversity on the slate and kind of genuinely finding novel qualified candidates. It's a novel idea, solving the diversity challenge, not by putting more energy into the traditional pursuit of becoming more diverse. Instead, expand the playing field and the pool by going after candidates in other industries. 
You'd be hard-pressed to find someone in recruiting who isn't excited about a better way of doing things. And yet, despite the flood of solutions on the marketplace offering up the ability to improve, things seem to get better very slowly. And more often than not, you hear about initiatives where the hype far it surpassed the impact. So what's the biggest problem standing in the way of companies using Stella and other startup solutions to better effect? Rich thinks the answer is, well, us. You know, I think the hardest thing for us has been how best to engage recruiters. You know, the recruiters that we tend to deal with across the board are generally overwhelmed. Uh, they've got eight to nine tools on average. Um, they typically are getting hundreds of unqualified candidates that are applying. Uh, they spend statistically less than 30% of the time actually on sourcing and candidates. They're spending 70% just trying to figure out the noise, digging randomly through to find candidates. And so, you know, the challenge is when Stella launches, how do we actually work with them where when we send them candidates, they recognize that the odds of them getting an interview are 8x higher. This is a good use of time. How do we not get lost in the funnel? Um, and that's been a huge challenge because I think a lot of the audience are just completely overwhelmed with the volume of candidates and the volume of tools that are being pushed onto them. Um, and so they, they dismiss a lot of it and kind of go back to the same watering holes. And I think the companies that we've seen that have done a good job, um, there's typically a very strong champion who gets things done. It's very hard in HR. It tends to be a very defensive department, not offensive. So it's tight budgets. They don't digest technology well. It's a tough department kind of to create innovation in, I would say, as a general theme. It's not like selling into sales or CFO or procurement where they digest tech a lot. Um, it's a new thing and, and a lot of new stuff. So I would say we tend to be more successful when there is a champion and that champion picks one or two initiatives and really like doubles down and helps to make it happen for three or four months. The recruiters are on board and, you know, and we struggle if we're kind of just like released into the company and the recruiters don't really know who we are and we send them candidates that are amazing and then we sit down and we're like, what happened to these 12 candidates? And they're like, oh my gosh, I'd want to interview half of them. And we're like, well, it's too late now. <laughs> you know, how do we get around that problem? I'm a big fan of going deep with a small number of partners and if you believe in where it can go and doubling down on them. So I think there's a lot of tools out there. I think a lot of them are not well-funded. I think a lot of them don't necessarily have experienced teams. There are some who do, maybe a dozen. Um, and I think you just have to be clear on the problem you're solving for. So if your problem is we want to get more qualified candidates in the funnel, then there's, com you know, there's companies like Stella. If the problem is we want to go after passive candidates, there's companies like Intello that are doing a good job. Um, if you're trying to figure out screening, I haven't seen anything that's blown my socks off, but there's certainly a couple of companies peddling around there. If you're looking to try and activate your employee referral program. So I think you kind of want to look, and I think if you do any level of diligence, you'll see that there's probably like one or two companies in each of those problem sets that have raised 10 to $30 million and that have like teams that can execute, et cetera. And it's not to say you shouldn't like support, you know, ultra early stage stuff, but I think HR, as I said before, like as a department, it's very hard for them to like digest technology and work with early stage techie techie vendors. And so I think if you're gonna go and kind of execute a solution in HR, I think in general, you wanna make sure that it's kind of cooked, that the team's experienced, that it's well-funded, um, you know, otherwise I think it's very difficult to like weather the storm, you know. Um, but I think there's a lot of noise out there, a lot of noise out there. But I think if you're clear about the problem you're solving for, and there's like six or seven different parts of the problem you could you could break it down into, like I described, um, there's probably like only a couple companies in each of those that are doing a pretty good job. Um, and then I would say just like double down. 
Like it's gonna, it, none of this stuff is gonna be perfect no matter who you're dealing with. And you really just need to lean in and be like, okay, like how can we make this work, right? And how can we be helpful and, and like be a partner? And I think that's, if you want the ecosystem to flourish and you want these tools to exist, I think playing devil's, being the devil's advocate doesn't get you anywhere. Like I think you, you may think you're a hero in the room, but these companies all need help. And the place that innovation will come from is the fusion between the companies who are clear about the problem and willing to stick with it and support a small number of vendors, so to speak, and like these young guns who are getting well-funded and have great ideas and like want to make it happen, but don't live and breathe the problem. And I think it's that fusion where you see greatness, where you see breakouts, um, but it requires the companies to have a mindset of innovating, like we're going to stick with you, we'll figure this out, this is what's working, this is what's not, and, it, and as a consequence, they should do more diligence up front, more in the teams and the problem they're going after than anything else, I think. Almost a bit of a <clears throat> VC-like mentality to just picking the right partner, right? Totally, especially when you, there's an ecosystem like in recruiting where there's so much that can be done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that you, you know, success will come from the company supporting those parts that make sense, right? And so if you want, if screening is the big issue and, you know, there's video interviewing has been around forever, but if that's like a problem you want to go after that you think is really important, you pick a vendor or two and you get in the room and you make sure you have quarterly updates and really talk about what type of product changes you want. Like companies need to lean in. Um, And I think certain departments in general in large companies are designed to do that better than others. And I think HR is new to the scene. And so I think it's, I think it's in their interests long term to view that ecosystem as being a function of the effort they put in. Starting something up is hard. Changing something as ingrained and well, as human, as the way we recruit just makes it harder. But Rich and Stella believe it's a challenge worth solving, which begs the question, what's the real payoff if they succeed? Rich sees benefits on the company and recruiter side, of course. However, the real motivator, it's Joey. So I think the medium term goal, you know, is is how do we automate part of that sourcing on the on the company side? So how do we start moving towards one third of, of, of sourcing automation for these companies? And if we can do that, their cost of hire goes down, the, the amount of time that the recruiters have to really be advisors and do their jobs instead of going through the noise goes up. So I think that's a really incredible outcome. Um, the big vision on the candidate side is very simple. Candidates should always know their options. I think the biggest insight that I've really gotten on the candidate side is just how few options really exist for the mass market. And I think if you go to a top tier school and you're one of the best in that class and, and you live in Silicon Valley, as many people do who build these systems, I think that you have champagne problems, right? Everyone's pursuing you, wants to work with you. And you know, many of the people that are building a lot of the HR systems, I don't think actually understand the problem from a candidate perspective um, because they're amongst the elite, whether they like it or not. And I think one of the learnings I've certainly had on the candidate side is that it's just so yucky out there. You know, like the candidates don't know where to start. It's overwhelming. Uh, in most cases, they don't hear back. Even when they apply, they don't hear back. <laughs> There's not even a rejection email half the time. So it's just exhausting, you know, for the, and it's, de- it's, de- it's degrading for them and it's yucky and they feel yucky about the brands they apply to in some cases. So I think I've been, su- I'm in shock, but I've certainly been surprised that there's just a lack of tools that are out there for candidates. I think a lot of people are focused on how to build systems um, for recruiters. Um, but there's nothing that's really gotten scale to help candidates 
to find places they're more likely to get an interview, which is really all they care about. I mean, for all the noise, no one's really interested in taking a random personality test. We know, otherwise 10 million people would have taken it, right? So, you know, at the end of the day, the candidate wants to find a job. And they ideally don't want to waste their time because they could be watching a movie or spending time with their family. And so the problem for the candidate is, show me jobs where I'm actually likely to get an interview. Like, actually. And no one's really, I think, focused on that problem. And I've been surprised at the lack of effort and money and time that's gone into that, in my opinion. I have a son who's six. His name's Joey. And I don't think Joey should be coming to me in 20 years and be like, Dad, I just graduated. Um, like, what should I do? Like, what do I know? Like, seriously, what do I know? And there should be a system where Joey can put in all his information, not just his resume, but, you know, his resume and his social graph and maybe his hopes and dreams and a bunch of other things. And it should say, hey, Joey, he can punch in Seattle. And let's just say these are the top 11 companies where you have a one in three shot of an interview. All the data is there. And he can punch in Florida. I want to give Miami a shot of good seven. These are the seven companies, one in three shot of interview. And I think that there should be a, a way that candidates actually know whether they have a good shot of interview uh, where they're not wasting their time. Right. I mean, I think that's ultimately the goal on the candidate side. And that would change everything. It would quite literally reduce unemployment. People would be finding jobs that they actually care about rather than like indiscriminately applying and indiscriminately getting that job. Um, and I think it would have a huge social impact, you know? So that's the long-term aspiration. Well, that's a great dream. That's <laughs> why <laughs> we get out of bed in the morning. Is Stella going to change the game in recruiting? I'm not sure. But if it makes a contribution to helping people find opportunities just a little bit better, if any of us can do that, I think that's worth getting out of bed in the morning too. That's our episode for today. Special thanks to Rich Joffe, CEO of Stella, for spending time with us. This interview was conducted by Sweta Patel and Chris Louie. And the music was by Broke for Free called something elated. Thanks for